Welcome back to the Back Use Podcast. This is your host, Norman Reed. Shayla Ballard. And JL James. And we're all students from SUNY New Paltz. Today is, I believe, is our ninth or eighth pod. I think ninth podcast, which is, again, crazy to think about. But today, we have a very special guest. Good to be with you all. I'm Evans, a recent graduate of SUNY New Paltz, and excited to be here today. Um, so today, um, you can follow us on, on Instagram at blk3.podcast.jsn and you could also email us at the blk3podcastjsn at gmail.com so again this is our ninth ninth podcast so i guess we'll give evans the honors of talking about um the highs and lows of this week yeah for sure so uh i would say the high is that i started working full-time uh at my new job as a security engineer this week so that's definitely been a high uh it's been a lot of fun been a lot of fun so I've had a good week so far, and the low, kind of, I don't know, the weather, it's been kind of sporadic, so that's been kind of bumming me out, but it's been nicer recently, but this past week, I don't know, it's been kind of all over the place, so that would be my low. Mm, okay, okay. How about you, Shella? What are your highs and lows of this week? Oh, my highs and lows. Honestly, I don't have any lows this week. I don't know. It Things have just been going so well, Um, at least I feel, but my highs have been like, I have been doing more research and we're like getting more things done. So like we're like about to close out for our pre- with our presentations and like now we have more information to put up. So like I feel like that's really exciting like with like seeing our results actually like I guess you could say come to life. Um um yeah, I I would say that's about it with my highs this week. Um what about you, JL? Um, for my highs, I'd probably say definitely, um, the research that I'm doing, um, and gaining experience in the lab. Um, I don't have a lot, I didn't have a lot of experience in a chemistry lab before coming here, so I was definitely very nervous, but, um, it's actually going better than I thought it would, so that's one big high. And another high, I'd say, it's definitely, um, Looking forward to recording in the podcast and having Evans here for our guest. Yeah, yeah, Evans. Um, I would say my highs of my highs and lows would definitely have to be like my high was like just previously like around like eight o'clock working with my research group, just fine tuning um, our project and getting it down to around like the ideal goal of fifteen minutes because child, our presentation was running over like twenty. I was just like, we have so much information trying to condense it down into like a manageable and digestible fashion, but we're having difficulty. We we're having difficulties doing that, but we're working towards getting to that fifteen minute mark, and that's a very like it, it's a very high for me. Um, a low would definitely have to be um going to dealerships. Um, if you didn't know, I'm in the process of like um buying a car for school. And dealerships are like, I don't know, they're different. Different in the ways of they're trying to milk you for every last dollar that you have. And I don't, I'm not an utter and I don't like to get milked. So I will have to do my research into finding an ideal car and dealership. And yeah, that whole process is just super, super annoying. Anyways, child. So, Shayla. We have our weekly puzzle. What is what was our um the answer from last week's weekly puzzle, and what is this week's weekly puzzle? Okay, so last week's puzzle was, I am an odd number. Take away a letter, and I become even. What am I? And the answer is seven, like the word seven. <laughs> I was like, okay, um. Um. Okay, so to well, this week's result is which is heavier, a ton of bricks or a ton of feathers? I feel like this one is really simple, but like I'm pretty sure you guys know. Yeah. Some people fall for it though, so. Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to fall for it too, but I was like, no. I have reading comprehension skills. Um, so now we're gonna dive into our main topics. So, Shayla, what is our main topic? that you have for us this week um well this is i guess you could say a bit different it's more questions towards evans our guest um i just like 
I guess I wanted to know, like, what exactly is, because you said that you recently graduated with a bachelor's in um, computer science. Um, so I just wanted to know a little bit more about, like, what exactly is computer science, just, like, for me personally and for, like, our audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I'll try to keep it, like, as high level as possible. Uh, it can get very dense and dynamic, but overarchingly speaking, computer science basically is... Uh, it can be thought about as the ways in which a computer understands what we tell it to do or what we intend for it to do. So normally, a computer understands something called binary, which is uh, zeros and ones. So you might have seen it in something like the Matrix, see that green screen and you see like code mm-hmm. running across the place. That's pretty much the zeros and ones of it, the lowest layer of what a computer could understand about, you know, how it interacts with the world around it. So how a computer talks to other computers, how it understands instructions. So computer science basically is a way we as people translate that binary into ways in which we ourselves can interact with those computers. So it's basically the study of how we further that communication. We further what computers and systems that utilize computers are capable of. So that's overarchingly what computer science is. And yeah, I I really find that to be unique in a lot of ways. So computers are very dynamic in that those zeros and ones can be turned into a lot of different things in terms of yes they are two numbers that are binary true or false they are they, are, they can only be those two things but what we can do with them they've given us google facebook they've given us all the technology we could ever think of so i've always found that fascinating and that's kind of overarchingly what my experience was working with computer science in my undergrad just kind of learning how to better translate uh what a computer can do into what i can use a computer for that all makes sense Okay. Yeah, it does. That actually answered my next question was why you actually chose this career path. Um, but yeah, um, do you want to go with your questions, Norman, and then we can come back to my last set of questions? Um, I have a follow-up question to that. So, like, when did you know you wanted to be a computer scientist? Like, was it like in elementary? Well, yeah, like in elementary school, or like what level of, like education was like? You know what? I'm set on this goal and I'm going to get this goal. Mm-hmm. So I can answer uh, Sheila's question because I feel like there's more details to why I got into it. And then I can answer Norman's question about when I got into it. So I guess I'll start with Norman's first because it's kind of chronological. So I got into it actually in high school um, when I had a very introductory course on computer science. And basically, it was just basically drag and drop. So you drag pre-made blocks of code uh, on your screen from one side to the next. And it was like little animations, things of the nature. And basically, uh, my professor at the time, he was adamant about the fact that this isn't the way code is supposed to be taught. It's being taught in a way that assumes we don't have the capability to be able to understand how to manually code and program. And this all comes from me who came from a school that was predominantly students of color. And the curriculum itself uh, was based on a school system in which that was the only computer science course we had in the school. And we were deeply underserved, deeply underfunded. And he was uh, very on top of the fact that he believed students like myself could actually program and not just have to rely on drag and drop code as the the, the apex of our capabilities. So that's really when I got into it. And he uh, took me and two other students aside and he saw our potential in what we were doing and that we wanted to go beyond drag and drop. And he asked us, did we want to, you know, form a computer science club in the school, first of its kind? So in doing so, uh, I was actually able to make my first um, application. And it was basically an application to help uh, students like myself in the New York City public school system find volunteering opportunities within the city to help them prepare themselves for the college application. Because a lot of it is based off of, you know, your your experiences in school, but also um, what extracurriculars have you done? What kind of work have you done? What accolades do you have? So I wanted to make an app that helps students like myself, you know, find opportunities that help them propel themselves towards applying for college or being confident in applying for college. So that app in and itself only had about two or three users, but that was the first time that I realized that, hey, I have an idea in my head. I have this computer. I can literally translate this idea into something that is real in reality. So then to answer Sheila's question of why I got into it, it's basically because uh, think of all technology we have today, the biggest companies, the biggest um, websites or whatever, biggest softwares, they all started and they all were incepted from an idea. 
from a thought. And that basically is what gives me motivation to, you know, keep pushing myself towards believing that I could be the next person to innovate something amazing. Because it all starts from an idea. All, all the technology we have, uh, it all started from somebody taking technology, building on top of what already existed, and then innovating for whatever comes next. So that kind of kept me motivated throughout my time at DuPont, throughout my time in my undergrad. I kind of had a chance to be able to see that come to fruition with the projects I worked on in my four years there, everything I worked on on the side projects. I got to travel a couple of times to do um, hackathons, coding competitions to be able to build things. So it always kept me enthralled, always kept me entertained and kept me wanting to discover more about it. So it's never been, there's never been a dull moment, I have to say. So that's kind of where I started in. What keeps me motivated? Okay, okay. No, that was a really good answer. I was like, wow, I felt inspired. Um, so my question or topics um, for this week is just real good. Oh, my bad. My topic for this week is revolving around um, your new profession or the profession that you're in right now, which is cybersecurity. Not cybersecurity, no. Software engineering. So I was going to ask um, what, like in that position, like, I don't really know what that position means. So like in that mm-hmm. position, do you, what do you do? And also like, what made you want to apply and be that after undergraduate mm-hmm. your career? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I actually, the company I work for now is Vimeo and I interned with them from January until May. So the aspects of what I work on are a combination of software engineering and cybersecurity. So uh, the ultimate goal for me, I should preface this by saying like, I transitioned from software engineering into wanting to do specifically security engineering for the future, whatever comes next, which is why I like the balance of what the job gives me. But um, to answer your question, for the internship, which kind of was the starting point for what I'm doing now, basically my job was to ensure that the architecture or the underlying systems of the company itself, which is basically a conglomeration of servers, so just a bunch of servers that each have their own individual functionality, making sure that they are getting scanned and regularly on a regular basis and making sure that any threats leveraged against them get not only spotted, but logged and remediated. So my job was to basically from the start to the end, find out what is wrong with them, think of ways to fix them, collaborate with other security engineers, and then subsequently carry out those fixes. So that was over the course of my entire internship. And it's it's pretty dynamic in terms of a lot of the work that I did was from scratch. So a lot of it was purely brain work in terms of uh, innovating ways in which I could better processes to keep these servers safe. So uh, just kind of a like a general concept about the ways in which security works is that uh, it never ends. It never really ends. There's always something popping up or something that's new to be secured or something that is insecure. So that is kind of what I dealt with over the course of my internship. And it was important because the servers that I was protecting, there were several thousand of them, several thousand of them, and they entirely supported the company itself and the health and life cycle of these servers is critically important for making sure that uh, the user's end goal, the software they use, services they use, that they're available for them. And it's always critically important. It's for security. I think one thing I like is um, it's the unseen work that I do that people don't have to worry about is what I really appreciate. When people go to websites, uh, like on the Vimeo website, and they're having a seamless experience, I like to think that the work that I do behind the scenes, all the months and weeks that I spend securing these servers, helps them to have a better experience. And that's kind of all I could ask for from the role I'm in right now. So uh, from my internship, it was actually, um, I worked as an infrastructure security engineer. So that works with like lower levels of uh, servers and software and everything. But right now, uh, the role I'm in is associate security engineer, which is basically just an entry level security engineer. That's kind of the Swiss Army knife of basically security and kind of best practices for security across different uh, sectors of security within the company, which would be uh, infrastructure or application security or network security. So that's kind of what I've been doing, and that's kind of been my first week is getting reacclimated to um, the work that I left off from my internship. So getting back into the team, just kind of, you know, gearing up towards picking up projects that I left off. And yeah, so I hope that answers the question. That's what I've been doing. And it's it's an everyday thing. Every day there's a new security threat that pops up, but every day I learn something new. So honestly, can't complain. Yeah. 
I just want to say thank you for actually like doing what you do and like because I've seen um some teachers who've used Vimeo and sometimes like I've used that too at the same time so like just knowing like um like then now next time that I actually use it or like see someone else use it I'm like hey did you know like I yeah <laughs> so I just want to say thank you for that yeah of course I mean it's it's interesting it's just like a side note but it is a lot of work that goes into securing these sites but it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and like the little things you do on sites like say google google search the amount of years of research and work that goes behind making sure it does what it does is like really dense it's dense and it's it's critical but it takes a long time but it's all worth it when you know people can actually use services and products to the best of their abilities without having to worry about their data being insecure or having to worry about uh services going down so i honestly it's a lot of fun so i appreciate it um i had a follow-up question because you perfectly segued into that um like you know how some um like digital companies like facebook for example they had like data breaches like how does that um happen so there's a couple ways that happens and this is a really dense topic because um the ways in which these breaches happen are always being changed so it's like kind of like whack-a-mole when you you knock one down somebody smart comes up with another way to find their way in so one of the most common ways and people don't realize it is something called social engineering so for example uh we all get like emails that are known as phishing phishing emails so emails that say something about hey you've won this prize or whatever click on this link to be able to access you know this thing so behind all that what's actually could be happening is that there's code behind that link and what that what you clicking on that link does is it could trigger entire softwares and entire scripts that'll grab your information and your credentials from your browser and it'll send it to whoever sent that link to you so uh, a more specific example would be and this is kind of short I don't want to go too too deep in details but say you get one of those links to um or one of those emails that says hey you want a, a free Amazon gift card click here to claim it and you were to click on it um, in your browser, the way Chrome works is that, uh, you know, you're logged into a site. It'll keep you logged in there based on how long the site is allowing you to be logged into that site. So what scripts can do in the background is they can go to that section of Chrome, look for where you're logged in, steal your passwords, and then grab all that information. And then subsequently, you know, falsify that they are you. Use your login to falsify that they are you, steal your information, et cetera, et cetera. So breaches with like Facebook and everything. Social engineering is one big way. Uh, recently, there was one with Twitter where a Twitter um, employee got tricked into giving off credentials to some hackers in Florida. And that was a big deal. But these breaches are, like I said, they're hard to predict. They are like whack-a-mole. You never know when they're going to come. So those breaches are... They're hard to they're hard to predict, which is why I always have sympathy for companies that go through this. I never have sympathy for Facebook because they're a monstrous company to say the least. But I have sympathy for the engineers that have to deal with this on a daily basis. So, uh, kind of overarching to put a finer point on it, these breaches happen because hackers are always finding new ways to trick, you know, good everyday people like you and I into giving them things that you know can escalate into further uh appropriations of data that is outside their purview so it's a never-ending battle so i guess that can be the sum of that answer okay okay um i have like oh, three more three four five more questions but like i'll let jail go and i'll probably ask you like later on yeah of course week. yeah so jail what are your topics for this week i also had just one more question other like aside from my topic i just wanted to ask um what was it like um, now that you're um, currently in the workforce? What was it like after graduation and trying to find a job and transitioning from school to work? Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, so for this job that I have currently, I was very blessed to be able to secure it before I graduated. So uh, right after the internship, they asked me if I wanted to continue on. But that's a very fortunate position I was in because for computer science majors specifically, um, we have to go through very dense interviews, uh, known as technical interviews. So normally people have like, um, you know, regular 
behavioral interviews where they ask you, you know, why do you want to work here, et cetera, et cetera. But beyond that, the next round is you have to code for somebody like live on whether it be Zoom or in person. They give you a problem that can be from a subset of um, almost endless amount of topics and you have to code for them an optimal answer. And if you're unable to do that, that serves as a basis to disqualify you from moving on in a job. And it's all standardized. So they can ask me a question about there's something called a, a tree. It's a data structure that's in computer science. They can ask me a question for a tree, to solve a tree or to create a tree from my code. And if I can't do that, then no matter how much skills I have prior, no matter how many internships I have prior, no matter how good I sold myself, if you can't answer that coding problem right off the bat, it usually serves as a disqualifying factor for you not moving on for a, a job or anything. So there's a lot of pressure on that end. So I was very fortunate to be able to have that locked up before I left. But to go back to the main question about transitioning, uh, it, it was easier than I thought it would be because I didn't have the stress of having to interview. But I understood like immediately after graduating, like that was it. That was the last time I'd have the freedoms of... Um, I should say young adulthood in juxtaposed against um, having the freedom of being in college. So like immediately when I graduated, you know, the IRS, they're like, yeah, loans, loans, loans. You got to pay those back and, you know, bills and everything. I got to uh, I gotta learn how to drive eventually and do things like that. Like I also plan on moving out on my own sooner rather than later. So things like that really come at you really quickly after graduating. So um I think that it, it, it it's hard. It's hard depending on where you're at in life. But I will say, even though I had mine locked up before I graduated, it is a matter of preparation. So you have to be cognizant of the fact that you are um, you're graduating. You're going to have to be cognizant of the fact that you're graduating and that you need to be able to prepare yourself for what comes next. So I think that's really important. And that's something that I was able to do. I was going to say, um, before we dive into JL's last topic, I was going to say, um, in regards to your, um, like new experience in the workforce, like, have you, like, how do you overcome like imposter syndrome in a, I'm, I'm assuming a predominantly like Caucasian like space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something I dealt with for, for a while. Um, it's, it's difficult. Uh, but fortunately I had the backing of AC squared, uh, since the inception of my college career, I've had their backing. So that always helped, but more specifically towards the role I'm in now, uh, one thing that I always remember is that, you know, I'm here for a reason, I'm here for a reason. It's not just like a fluke. Cause, um, I mentioned the technical interview, like those, the generalization of those questions, the fact that. You can the one question can either disqualify you or propel you forward. Getting past those is a testament to your skill set, a testament to how hard you've worked to be able to be able to answer those questions. So I just remind myself that I got to the point where I was able to answer those questions and that helps me to believe in myself to I can do this. And I think it's also part of it if I could give some motivation is that uh as corny as it may sound, believing in yourself goes a long way. And it can be for small things too. It doesn't have to be for, you know, biggest thing in the world, biggest goal in the world, the smallest things too. Believing in yourself that uh, you told yourself you're going to go to the gym tomorrow. Believing in yourself that you can make it there and have a good time there and get what you want out of it there. I think that's something that's important. The small things in life, you need believing in yourself with those, with those too. So for me, in my technical work, uh, my day-to-day, -day, uh, I'm being introduced to new t technologies and new softwares on a daily basis. And I need to believe in myself that, hey, I have the background, I have the skill set, I have the, the internet at my disposal. I can learn this. I can learn this and apply it to my work. So I think that's something that I try to remember. And it helps me every day because part of me still feels kind of like an imposter because I'm in the position exactly where I wanted to be. So when I graduated, I really wanted to be insecurity it's not a field you get into as a new grad it's more of a specialization you get into after a couple of years of dedicated software engineering work so being able to dive right into it you know is a testament to me believing in myself for every step of the way 
So I've had prior internships, I've had prior struggles, taking it one step at a time, believing that you can come over these smaller obstacles to overcome the bigger one. I think that that ultimately helped me in the long run. And to this day, I stick by that because um, just today, I got like three new projects to work on. So I got to believe in myself that I can take one step at a time, believe that there's resources there for me, and that to never forget that my community is there for me. So even though I graduated, AC Squared is always going to be there for me. And I realize that. So I want to make sure that I take advantage of that and keep it pushing, keep it pushing, and just keep doing that. That's true. Okay. Um, I was going to say, JL, your topic for this week. So the last topic that we want to cover is the backlash that Chrissy, the actress Chrissy Teigen is currently facing in response to the cyberbullying that she did years ago. And, and I just wanted to ask you guys, what do you guys think about forgiveness in terms of people that cyberbully others? And we can think about it specifically in terms of celebrities and how serious we, not how serious, sorry, and to what extent do we um, necessarily forgive what they're doing and how can we really tell um, if their forgiveness is legitimate, if their apology is legitimate, sorry. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I was gonna say um, on social media or just like on the internet in general, some things in regards to like an apology for like bullying somebody, some things might come off as performer like performative and it can also come off as you're just trying to protect your image so like you really can't really judge um this is you can't really judge the sincerity within somebody's words over the internet if if that same person was trying to apologize i would like the way that i would directly go about doing that or for me to see that happening it would be like to just reach out to them get their personal contact information and genuinely like and sincerely be like sorry about your actions towards cyberbullying somebody um i was going to just do like a quick tangent on that topic in general i feel like cyberbullying is like another low because like you can just hide behind a persona or just any image on the internet and you can just say whatever you want and that's a very like that's a strong but also very like negative thing in regards to cyberbullying because like you can just have random people to say like mean things about you and you don't even know if that person is who they say they are it can be like a like a person in their living room across the country or it can be your a next door neighbor or something like that so stuff like that is just very it's, it's a very scary place or a scary thing to think about like cyberbullying and the the mental effects that it has on people so that's just like my little two cents on that um how about you um Shayla, what are your thoughts on this whole scenario? Um, I feel like, like, I definitely agree with what you said. But um, moving forward, I feel like people can change. But, like, I it probably sounds kind of, like, bad to say. But sometimes, like, just don't forget, like, the things that they did do. Like, just, like, keep that in the back of their mind. But, like, people are able to change. Um, but, like. If it happens again, of course, we're definitely going to point it out. And I just feel like because it happened like around 10 years ago, I just feel like those times were different where people kind of like just said and did anything that they wanted without someone like directly coming out and saying like, hey, this is wrong. Um, And that goes for like a lot of stuff. Like, I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like seeing stuff from the past and I'm like, why? Why is this OK? Why was this OK? Like, why did why did we allow this? But um, I feel like people can change and like it is good to move forward and they should um, like directly contact the person and try to like apologize to them and apologize to them sincerely. But um, just like keep in mind like what they have done at that too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that uh, in terms of, you know, I think people can change, but it's interesting for like celebrities like specifically because they have so much to lose from the things that they say and the things that they do. So like I, I was just curious to know what 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 would someone like Chrissy Teigen 
publicly be willing to admit to and privately be also willing to change or amend about herself to better herself to not not you know do that to save face but do that to actually show that she's changed from when she said those things because you know it i imagine one thing that might have popped into her head at one point was like oh no these things came to light you know maybe my sponsors or my deals or whatever you know my image now is going to be tarnished and for me if things like that are at the forefront of a person's mind then that already kind of veers away from sincerity of want to change if the first thing you think about is like how does this affect me rather than how am i affecting the world around me with my actions and my thoughts so i think people can change and i think it's up to her or people in general who do this kind of thing to change and just more on like a granular level with like generous hyperbullying also like a uh, it's like a tangent i think it's very interesting i think the rise of certain technologies have given people platforms to be able to do certain things that are above and overtly beyond what they should be able to do and uh just like back to my my technology stuff because you know i gotta plug that every single time but i think in general society has a weird issue or weird tendency to try to solve um human problems societal problems with technology in terms of cyberbullying should not have been an issue if we would have taken measures to be able to create a society or create mindsets within people that tell them if you wouldn't do it in person why would you do it online and that kind of thing i think gets overlooked when technology gives us so such instant access to be able to communicate with people so overarchingly i would hope she change i hope people change in terms of these things but as long as internet is still there you you really will never know what they're saying to you and what they're actually doing so I would just hope that she's actually making a change and people actually make the change when they um, apologize for these things. Mm. And that's true. How about you, um, Jaya? What are your thoughts on this whole situation? So I kind of asked that question because similarly to what you guys were saying, um, I was just thinking like, you never really know what someone's like actual intent is and similarly to what Shayla was saying like people can apologize but not be actual actually genuine and we see that very commonly especially with different celebrities um people can look back and dig back into their old tweets and their old social media and they find like these moments where um celebrities are actually cyberbullying and of course regular people do it too but it's just like I was just wondering, like, how would we actually go about handling that? Like, in terms of, okay, forgive and forget, or um, I guess just how we would actually go about um, handling their apology. I, I feel like, like, to just encapsulate all of our, like, our points, it just has to come down to, like, context and, like, how they go about, like, delivering that message to the person that they hurt because again like if it's just to save face and to save like their financial gain like with the sponsors and their backing whatever then in that in that sense like that apology is kind of known void and doesn't hold any weight but if they actually take the time and reach out to these people and sincerely apologize for what they the words that they said over the internet then i feel like in that sense like you can't forgive and forget or you can like in both in both parties like they can go on and like live their lives like even though this happened to me they amended this and now we can move forward oh i i had an, uh, a like a follow-up question to this like for example with like the internet like how does like how does one regulate or like how can cyberbullying like stop like a, like in a like a hypothetical, like what are your solutions to mitigating like these issues onto people? That's a interesting question because that's a topic that comes up a lot with um especially the past election we had in terms of who gets to say what and how it gets said and things of that nature. And technologically speaking, it's one of those things where again, I don't think the issue of um uh deciding who can say what or 
monitoring what is to be said that's right and what's to be said that's wrong is a techno- technological issue. I think there's more of a societal issue that we as people need to be able to decide on what we feel about how sincere people are being with if they got caught cyberbullying, how sincere are they with their apologies because um, it's, a whole, it's a whole dense topic because companies have so much power over what people can say. Usually they let people run free and do whatever they want which kind of gives rise to cyberbullying because if there are no laws about who gets to say what, then everybody can say anything just kind of by the way things go. So I, I don't know. I feel like it's more up to people to kind of dictate how they interact with people who engage in these things. So I guess to the specifics of this question with Chrissy Teigen, I guess it's up to us. It's up to us to kind of decide whether we believe her or not that she has made a change to be a better person because technology, I mean, they can ban you and they can tell you, you can't use my platform, but there's every time one goes down, another one comes up or every time you, you might go off Instagram, there's always uh, Twitter or something. So I think it's up to us to be able to kind of as a collective say, uh, we believe you or we don't. And it's a hard thing to do. And we're definitely not at that point right now. I don't think in our society, but I think that's the way it has to go. Just trying to not solve a, um, a human societal issue with technology. The thing that started the issue in the first place. Okay. That's, I see that. Um, I was going to say, before we dive into, like, our last, like, what is it, quarter? Last segments. Um, do, like, Shayla and Joe, do you have any other, like, topics you want to just bring up before we dive into, like, or what we're looking forward to and our inspirational quotes. I I really like wanted to start with the the quotes actually. Oh, so we, we can start with the quotes then, <laughs> and then we can transition to the other other part. So what are your well, I was gonna say Evans, do you have your quote on standby or? Yeah, I do actually. Like I one that I stick with that sticks with me throughout everything that I do. So it's kind of corny, so please bear with me. But uh, no, I can't be corny. Yeah, it's interesting. It's from anime, actually. It's from. Oh, I was. I was about to say that. I was like, should I have take a quote from anime? Yeah. Uh, they're not ready for that. Have to, have to. It speaks to life, I think. So, uh, it's from Seven Deadly Sins, actually. So. Ooh. Yeah. So there, there was a. I uh, just little context. There's a fight, where you know, uh, the hero was you know losing the battle seemingly, and up against a stronger enemy. Everybody else was losing, but he comes in and he puts up a better fight. But then the enemy is like, this fight has been decided. Like it's over. And then the hero, his name is Escanor from the series. Oh, Escanor. Escanor. Um, the, mm-hmm. It's the battle with the the Purple Knight, I'm assuming. Yes, I think his name is Desrosa. I don't know, something like that. He's one of the Ten Commandments. So, so. Mm-hmm. yeah, so in that battle, um, he's like, this fight is over, you know, you've already lost. And then Escanor, he's like, who decided that? Like, why are you deciding this fight is over? Like, I'm the one that gets to decide that. And it stuck with me for life, I think, because that's what I take into my, my work and my life, like, who decided I can't do something? Like, I'm the one that gets to decide what I can or not do. So that quote has stuck with me for life. So that's why I say to myself, who decided that? Like, I'm the one that gets to decide that. Nah, that's a... okay. I was going to make a pun that's literally a fire pun because his ability is to... Yeah, to... literally. Yeah. But that's a good quote. That's a... I might, but next week I might have to bust out some quotes from, like, Jujutsu Kaisen or something like that. Anyways, yeah, do um... it. Uh, I guess I'll go, or I'll go next. Uh, my quote is from a uh, famous DJ, DJ Khaled. So his quote is, always have faith, always have hope. I feel like that quote is vital um, in life. You don't mean, well, on the latter half, like, um, no, in the first part, like having faith, you don't necessarily have to be religious, but like the, the on the latter, like always have hope and like believing in yourself and just, again, just, that that fact of just believing in yourself you can accomplish whatever you put your mind to is a very powerful thing because i'd be going through spurts from just like i don't have any type of motivation but i just think back in my head like i'm capable of doing a lot of great things and i put my best foot forward and i have hope have some faith in um my the man above and yeah and just execute and just try to do my best every single day so that's something I I find a lot of value in. So 
Yeah. So, JL, what is your inspirational quote for today or for tonight? My inspirational quote actually comes from a teacher, one of my elementary school teachers. I'm pretty sure um, everybody has heard something similar to it, though. But um, I remember in school, anytime we were in class, he would always try to encourage us at the end of class. And he would always tell us, try, try, try again. And that quote actually sticks with me because, you know, sometimes it's actually really easy to want to give in, especially when things don't work out. And sometimes you really just have to remind yourself, like, you have to keep trying, even when things don't seem like they're going to get better. And trying again doesn't always mean that you have to try it the same way. You can also try changing your mindset or try changing the way that you're actually doing something. But we should always try again and never give up. Mm -hmm. I was going to say like another quote or another like, I guess, term that people go by or like, it's an Albert Einstein quote, like doing the same thing over and over again is a, is insanity or that's the definition of insanity. And what's, what's the word? Insanity. Insanity, that's the word. So yeah, like if you don't, try to change and just like tweak some variables within like your execution you're gonna have the same result so change different things up and you get a different result so Cheryl, what is your inspiration quote for tonight um i think mine like kind of relates to um jl's and and it is it's by andy Arabin and it's don't be afraid to be amazing because like you never know like like what you can achieve like if you don't like take that first step and like try to change something and see how like okay wait <laughs> and see like what you will eventually become so yeah just like don't be afraid to be amazing before we talk about like um following like plans for next week like do you think like most people have a um a fear of like being successful or not successful but, like you get to put this breast foot forward do you think people have that fear um, I feel like not all the time is it like them putting their best foot forward. I feel like a lot of times it's like imposter syndrome and they feel like they don't belong in that place. Um, but, and I mean, there are still people who, um, like, I, I guess you could say, uh, a little bit scared of the future. Like they might, um, analyze like every step that they take and like the results of, like everything that they do um but i feel like majority of the time it's more of imposter syndrome and not like um putting their best foot forward if you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah, that's true um i was gonna say for the following week what i'm looking forward to is to have uh, a presentation on wednesday um a part of like the 80 square summer research program um, I believe my group has a very strong presentation and we just have to just execute it correctly and articulate our, our ideas and our thought process in a coherent way to allow like our research to like shine through to the audience. But that's something I'm really looking forward to like being a part of for next week. How about um, you, Evans? Like, what are you looking for for next week? Yeah, uh, well, for I'm just looking forward to... um continuing to vamp up or ramp up my work and oh yeah next week i get paid so looking forward to that i was looking forward to that so it's always going to be good so i think uh just continue to get acclimated with my work and uh getting into the swing of things for you know the rest of my life i should say so getting getting up to speed how about you jay what are you looking forward to next week um i'd say for this week i'm looking forward to getting some work done um because it's always good to be productive and i'm also looking forward to spending my weekend kind of like to get to know the albany area i haven't really um gone out much to really see what they have in store so i'm looking forward to that what about you shayla um i am also looking forward to doing my presentation on wednesday and like see how everything it, how everything comes together and also seeing like everyone else's um presentation and like what they've been working on too 
Um, I've also had like my permit test coming up, so like I'm excited for that. I know I'm like really late, but like I'm I'm finally gonna get it. <laughs> um, but I think yeah, I think that's what I'm looking forward to in the next week. Okay, I remember when I did my permit test. Just walked in, walked out. Cha-ching. <laughs> Anyways, child. Um, so we made it to the end of our ninth podcast of the Black Youth Podcast. Um. Before we do our outro, um, Evans, do you have any other, like, I guess, words of encouragement for our listeners or just anything you wanted to say before we sign off? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what can I say that can sum this up really quickly? So, Ooh. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say um, earlier, I asked if you have any topics that you wanted to bring up. Do you, do you have a topic right now uh, or does that topic tie into what you're going to say now? Not really. My topic was kind of dense. Um, like I don't know. Is there still time to go over it? Cause it, it it's a little dense. But I was gonna ask about the, um, so we have the elections coming up for New York City mayor, and like I just want to kind of gauge what you all thought about the idea or notion that New York City in itself can be changed or improved based on what we know it to be, based on an election or based on a, a mayor, and how that plays into why people of color might be apprehensive to voting. So I was kind of curious about what you all thought about that in terms of like things actually changing based on voting. Oh, um, I feel like, okay. So to the answer, like, or to tackle that last um, talking point, I would say people of color, I feel like just looking through history, like um, for the past, like, let's say 100 years in regards to that i feel like people of color are apprehensive to like voting because like every time they vote like i would say situations don't get better for us in the country but like in the grand scheme of things or like looking at from like a totality standpoint like there's still a lot of things that need to there's change for the better and some people think like voting doesn't really help and like but it in i feel like that mindset needs to like switch because like voting does have a lot of power you, you as a citizen or you as just a person within your community you can have a lot of change and for example if you vote for the right mayor or you vote for the right um official they can drastically change the landscape of your environment and within that drastic change that can help your future um kin and future like just whole situation in general so like voting does have a very strong implications to like What's the what's the word I'm looking for? Progression or progress in general. So that's just my standpoint on that. But also, I need to educate myself because I'm old enough to be voting, and I gotta vote for a mayor child. So yeah. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I would say that um, change does take time, but um, voting is like, I guess you could say one of the stepping stools to help us to like have that change. Um, like, even though I guess people will say it's like a smaller election, but it's like it's actually really big because it affects our state. And like we we live here, like we're going to be affected directly by whatever's going on, because even like um in the recent presidency, like one thing happened and like the whole country was I mean, even though it's like more of a whole country standpoint, like something as small, like had impact on like, like thousands of lives. So even though and we i mean we are a pretty big city so we got like millions of people here so um i think voting does definitely help and just like also taking time to do research on like who you're voting for and like um like also if they're going to keep their word on what they actually said that they're going to change like i think that is also like a big part of it gotta keep people accountable and keep officials accountable because they be lying through their teeth. Politicians are professional liars, I swear, but some of them be coming through on occasion. Um, how are you, Jay? What are your thought process on this? Um, I definitely think I definitely agree with both Norman and Shayla. I think that voting definitely does create change, and sometimes it's like really hard for us to be patient enough to actually see that change come into fruition but um I also think 
it's important for people of color to actually educate themselves on the people that represent our counties and our cities because like Shayla said this directly affects our city and the way that we live and sometimes it's actually really easy to ignore um, the emails or the flyers that we see that tell us to um, educate ourselves and that voting is actually happening so I think that we definitely should pay more attention to it and actually take it into account and we should definitely vote I don't know what professor person told me but like one of the most powerful things you can do is vote because people that look like us have fought and died to give you the ability to vote so don't waste it so that's just the grand scheme of things like you gotta basically like do your due diligence and make your best educated vote and keep people accountable and just see the steps after that so um, I didn't want to get too pastory or too preachy, but this is our end of our podcast now. Um, any final thoughts from the co-host or Evans before we do our outro? Just this final word of encouragement. Like this year, this year sucked with the pandemic and everything. Of course, that goes without saying. But I think there is a great power in like relying on others, making sure that if you're not okay, to reach out to somebody because your your mental health is just as important as you know, you're making sure you're taking care of yourself physically and emotionally too. So making sure that you're relying on others around you and making sure that, uh, yes, you believe in yourself and believe in what you do, but never be afraid to ask for help because uh, for all my time in school, all my time now as a professional, like all I've accomplished is a testament to those who have helped me get to where I am. So just never be afraid to ask for help. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I hate asking for help sometimes, but it has made all difference in my life and making sure that I continue to do that do that diligently because you know i was just about to say we're all in this together and i thought a high school musical too is about to make a fool out of myself it's a good movie but yes just believe in yourself because we are all in this together so that's my last my last thought okay now that's a fact i have a hard i have a very hard time asking for help but i'm overcoming that little hurdle day by day so jail um take us away Hey guys, well, we have reached the end of our podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Um, And we also want to thank Evans for being a guest here on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your ideas and knowledge. Um, We are now signing off. Thank you for tuning in to the Black Cube podcast. We are your hosts. My name is JL. My name is Shayla. My name is Norman Reed. And good night. Oh, I thought he was going to say something. Sorry. Oh, me too. I don't know. Thank you and good night. Oh, you can keep this in. Yeah. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night, guys. Good night.